Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. This marks our 100th episode, and we want to thank you for tuning in, whether this is your first time or 100th time. As always, we feature fresh and insightful interviews with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Please subscribe and catch our next 100 episodes by going to iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying The Director's Cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Andy Serkis's new film, Breathe, which tells the inspiring true story of Robin and Diana Cavendish, who are determined to live their lives to the fullest after Robin is confined to a hospital bed by polio at the age of 28 and given only a few months to live. While Breathe is Mr. Serkis's feature directorial debut, he also directed the second unit work on Peter Jackson's Hobbit trilogy, An Unexpected Journey, The Desolation of Smaug, and the Battle of the Five Armies. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Circus spoke with director Matt Reeves about filming Breathe. During their conversation, Mr. Circus explains how he communicated the British stoicism of the characters, his desire to maintain Robin's respirator as an integral component of the character's journey, and how his roots as a sketch artist were useful in preparing to direct. This is such a pleasure for me because Andy uh, and I have spent the, fa- the past five years together and I can tell you that he is um, such an incredible artist and such a beautiful person and um, it's no surprise to me that this film is as beautiful as, as it is Andy because you are just such an incredible person and um, anyway um, <laughs> Thanks, I love you <laughs> anyway um, uh, this is this film has a very um, you know I don't know what people know or not so we should talk about this it has a very particular history which is that you your your partner your 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 um, partner in your company the Imaginarium is Jonathan Jonathan Cavendish so um, who is the son in this story so it's a very very personal story and I wonder if you could talk about how how this came to be made and how you guys developed the project and also. Um, the sensitivity of that, given what a personal story it was for him and how you how you navigated all that. So, yeah, so um, Jonathan Cavendish and I, uh, he, Jonathan's been a producer for many, many years. Um, he produces Bridget Jones' Diary, Croupier, uh, Elizabeth the Golden Age, a num- number of British uh, films, some with working title. And we joined forces in um, around 2011 uh, we formed a company called the Imaginarium, which is a performance capture studio with a production entity uh, joined. So it was it was a, it was a, a functioning performance capture studio. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, but I'm sure you do, uh, using the using um, technology to allow actors to play digital avatar characters. Um, so we were setting up a slate of films for me to to direct, and using Jonathan's immense producerial experience, you know, bring a slate together of films, not just not just the performance capture, but I suppose what we were really intending to do with this place was to look at storytelling, the nature of storytelling, and how it might change over the next 10, 20, 30 years' time. So it was it was we wanted to examine how we could bring story not in, only into film but into TV into 
video game into virtual reality and augmented reality and also stage live stage work uh, where we'd bring performance capture into uh, in, into that world too there were a number of projects that he brought to the table and one of them was this film and i i read the script one night as we were amassing all our projects and i knew i knew i knew I actually knew that, that there was a story of his, you know that his father he'd been talking about but i read this script which was written by bill nicholson um and he'd been developing it for about four or five years and it was the most it, i think it was one of the most ex extraordinary scripts I, I, i've ever read as an actor or director uh it, it was this incredible combination of being emotionally very powerful of course but it also had this extraordinarily um, this energy and upbeat attitude towards towards catastrophe, which I just found so powerful. And uh, so I so I went in the next day and I said, "Look, Jonathan, I know I know that you you know um, uh, you know we, at that time we were setting up films like Animal Farm and Jungle Book, and I'd just come back from directing the second unit on The Hobbit with Peter Jackson." And I said, "Look, I know that." I'm more used to directing orcs and elves and dwarves and animals of the jungle, but how do you fancy me having a crack at directing a film about your parents? And um, and he said, uh, he said, okay, let's do it, absolutely, let's do it. And um, so one of the things I found inspiring about about his parents' story was this this idea that they were pioneers, really, um, that that they were inadvertent pioneers. They weren't they weren't disabled rights activists. They were they happened to be people. When Diana says to to, Ro, to 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 Robin in the film, "What can I do to make your life better?" and he says, "Get me out of here." Um, for me, it was like when I read that in the script, it was like it was like put me on the top of Mount Everest or or you know, take me to the moon. It was that the idea of living outside of hospital with that amount of disability was was an impossibility. And uh, so, so, so for me, I, I thought these people are not only are they smiling in the face of catastrophe, but they're creating a whole new way of living, um, and living two minutes away from death with this intensity and this beautiful kind of attitude toward. You know, once he came out of hospital, he really did have this incredibly positive attitude towards life. Th th this is all coupled with the fact that I, I grew up in an environment um, where my mother was a, a teacher of disabled kids and I grew up with children who had polio and spina bifida and thalidomide and, and uh, was watching my mum deal with, with trying to normalize them and bring them out of, you know, d to try and destroy the stigma attached to being disabled in the 60s and 70s. and and, and as it happens, my sister then contracted in her 20s, contracted multiple sclerosis and is wheelchair bound. So I was looking at her in 2017 thinking, you know, 2016 thinking, you know, it's difficult enough for you to get around in 2016, 17. How, how must it have been for these guys in the 1960s and 70s when they were literally trying to ex exist outside of the safe hospital environment? Um, so I really responded to that. that. That's what drew me to the project ultimately. It was this, it was this staring death in the face and, and, and not just triumph over adversity, but, but, but existing with a, with a, a kind of wit and, is that what you, when you when I first saw the film? One of the first things you said to me was you were curious how I responded to it, and I, because I'm not British, and you said to me, you said this is a very British film, which I found so interesting because I found it incredibly moving. I mean, my, as you know, my father um, 
passed away uh, not that long ago, and, I had, and upon seeing the film, those scenes especially, he was bedridden for a very long time, and those scenes especially really just tore at me, and such a beautiful spirit, the way you found humor in those moments, and, and, and I know that that was their spirit, but is, is that what you mean when you say, like, what, what was it when you were asking me that question about the difference culturally, this idea, is it, is it the idea of staring it in the face in a kind of brave way, or what? I what is, it, what is it about that? Why, why do you think this is a British tone? It's interesting because there, there, whether it's 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 partly British, but it's also a, pr a product of their of, of their generation, maybe partly to do with it. But there's a stoicism and a sort of uh, uh, the the non-discussion of emotion that um, that actually, when I read the script, made me feel incredibly emotional because it wasn't being. It wasn't being, you know, extruded and brought out and on the on the page, or in fact, in in the in the performances in the film, it's very buttoned down. The emotion is very buttoned down, which which allows the reader or now the audience, hopefully, to to make that emotional connection. Um, so that that was that that's what I suppose what I meant. And now whether that's a cultural thing, I, I don't know. But I, I'm I, I think. I mean, I'm not that. I'm I'm the opposite of that. I'm a very outwardly emotional person, as you, as you well know. You sure are. And <laughs> um, you know, and I I know that. I mean, I have I have Middle Eastern roots, and I'm quite I have quite a kind of fiery kind of uh, you know open nature. And the I suppose there's a there's a there's a there is a potentially I think a, a British kind of stoicism which which does completely not. Embrace emotion, actually, and 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 therefore, um, whereas whereas I think actually here, I think people are generally, I think the states, I think, and which is why I asked you that question. Yeah. I think I think people are used to seeing more emotion, and and in fact, interestingly, that's one of one of the responses to the film is, this couldn't possibly have happened. These people couldn't possibly have been that upbeat. Yeah. These people couldn't possibly have, you know. And and the fact of the matter is, they did exist like that. Well, when you see the the the, the image of the, the images of them at the end. It's sort of immediately, it, the, the footage shows them in a very, it's just in moments in life, and, 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 it, it, and it gives it this tone where you realize, oh, that was all absolutely the way it was, which was just very, very, um, they embraced it, and they just said, okay, this is what it is, and here we are together, and right. it was really, I found that, that very moving. The, the tone of what you, it's interesting what you say, like, this couldn't have happened in terms of the tone and that kind of stuff, but what really struck me at the beginning of the film and I loved, I just thought, I thought what you did with Robert Richardson was just beautiful. Like it was very beautifully choreographed. And and the opening, I thought it felt almost like a, a, a musical is not the right term, but it had a very, I, I just, I'm wondering about the tone in terms of what you were, what your references were and how you enter it in such a way that when that, obviously I didn't know, even though I think you may have told me, I, I didn't somehow connect it to Jonathan's story. So when I saw the film, and all of a sudden he, that moment happens where you suddenly realize, oh, this is going to turn very dark. I was sort of stunned. I was like, oh my God, this is not the ride I was expecting. And it was really, and yet, it ended up being the ride that I expected after that because the tone does come back. And so I, I wonder if you could talk about how you were developing the way into the film and the tone of that and, and the way you worked with, with Robert. Yeah, I mean, I, I I absolutely did not want to make, and neither was was it written in that way, because uh, there was humour in the script. I did not want to make a sort of mawkish, sentimental, very dark, dour, 
tale of disability because that absolutely did not reflect the energy and essence of, of Diana and, and Robin's life. Their, 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 their response was, was this vibrancy and this, and this wit. I think is, wit is the kind of word that, that really for me sums up their, um, you know, their, their, the, 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 their, their love combined with wit and, and how that rippled out across all that cabal of, you know, really, the, the close family, the cabal of kind of crazy eccentric boho toffs that they that, that they that they kind of surrounded themselves with, who's all of whom you know are real people, and, and I've met some of them, and their lives were incredibly validated by Robin and Diana's essence and energy, and so I wanted that to be the spirit of the film, and the, and the color and the palette and the tone and the vibrancy, I suppose is the word. Um, so when I when Bob came over to, to, I mean it's so amazing that 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 that, that Robert Richardson came over. I mean Robert's worked with Scorsese and Tarantino and Oliver Stone, and he loved this script because he's never he's he'd never made a movie that had a very strong central female female role in it. It was all very, you know, incredibly And she's male. so wonderful in the film. And, and Claire's, Claire is extraordinary in it. And it's, uh, um, and, and so, and he was immensely collaborative and sort of saw what I was trying to do. Um, so you're right, the opening was, as was in real life, they're, 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 it was a whirlwind romance. They met within six weeks, they'd fallen in love, Decided to live together. Decided to go to Africa and start a new life together. So it was. It, we we wanted to start it as if it were a fairy tale. And I was using uh, the, the sort of the tropes of a 1960s um, romantic movie. Um, in fact, all of the locations in England are, exa are exactly where Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was shot. <laughs> and I want I wanted that kind of English eccentricity. That sort of Caractacus Potts meets. Diving Bell and the Butterfly, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, that was what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted to enliven it with, with, the, you know, with that sort of ex British eccentricity and an ingenuity and Heath Robinson approach to life, which mm. is so. So that 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 is that we all those locations were literally. I mean, there's a windmill in the scene on the hill, um, and that's the Caractacus Potts windmill from Chitty Bang Bang. So. <laughs> And, and a lot of the shots of them driving around, when he's the, the opening shots of him driving around were literally where, where Chitty Bang Bang was shot. So, so that was the tone. That was that was, um, and it's not a kind of. I mean, it is a layer. It's a it is a layer, but it's a it's a layer that accesses. I think on what I t intended to do was to access that that color and vibrancy, mm -hmm. um, and even the costume designs, even everything, all the way through, the, the way that we framed it, the aspect ratio, giving it, trying to give it as much scale as possible. I mean, the sort of film falls into, into uh, you know, the, 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 the whirlwind romance, which again was inspired by, um, by, by Up, even, trying to tell that uh -huh. story in a very con condensed way, because you don't really need to know much more than the, the fact is they fall in love, until really the inciting incident, of course, is the polio. So, so and, then, and then Robin did fall into a great depression for a, a year and a half, where he wanted to s someone to switch the machine off, where he did want to die, where he was, he was not you know, interested at all in, in living. And, um, and that all changed literally when when they broke out of hospital. Mm. And 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 as also the dialogue in the movie, a lot of it is verbatim. Forty percent of of what what is said in the movie is actually dialogue. The the consultant actually said, 
you're going to die within two weeks. Oh. No, Diana actually said, we're not going to keep Robin alive for the sake of his friends. There's lots of lines in the script that Bill Nicholson researched with the family that, it, that are actually verbatim. But we, again, we didn't want to, we didn't want to sort of make it a leaden film about, about you know, d dramatizing this life. It was, it was very much about trying to honor the essence of what they were about, which are these incredible mavericks. Um, and, uh, you know, they were true mavericks, actually. And, 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 you know, in terms of your relationship with Jonathan, now, how was that, was he on the set when you were shooting? How was that navigating? This must have been a very surreal experience for him. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious about how that works, given how personal the story was to him, and how, 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 did, you, how did you guys interact during the making of the film, during the editing of the film? I mean, again, you know, both Diana's around, and she's a very, very good friend, a friend of mine, and uh, his mother, and and Jonathan too. So Jonathan was around and was on set, and was watching everything uh, being shot, and was incredibly objective about it, as you might, as 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 sort of the 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 essence of both of those people come, comes through in the film. Then they were not sort of. I mean, Di Diana. It was very funny when Diana watched the film for the first time. She um, she watched it and, and she didn't let Jonathan or I go in and watch it with her. She wanted to watch it on on her own. She watched it with a friend actually. And we were waiting outside, and the first thing she came out, <laughs> she said, um, "Well, I never would have worn that hat." <laughs> you know, and that was her response. You know, I mean, it's like it's, it's she's just watched this extraordinary sort of kind of visceral movie about her life story, and that that was her response. And that's what they were like, and that's what Jonathan was like on set. So, like for example, was, that scene. You know, where he's saying goodbye to his father. I mean, one of, I would imagine, you know, one of the more emotional moments of his life. Was he there when, when you were shooting that? Yeah, and, and how does that, there. how did that, how did that affect like Andrew and, and just, I mean, and, 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 and everyone? The, the, uh, who's, the, who's the actor who plays his son? Uh, oh, oh, Dean Charles Chapman. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Same yeah. thing. I mean, you know, the, the fact is, Jonathan was so generous about, about look, I'm, this is a story. Ultimately, I'm now a film producer, and I'm making sure. a film, and this is the story. Yes, it's of my parents' life, but he, there was in no way, was there any sort of preciousness about about it. Um, he, he, you know, trusted me to, 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 to tell the tale in the way that I wanted to do it, but at the same time, you know, we, we collaborated fully, and and because there was this, and again, the family having watched the movie, they, this essential emotional truth about the way that they went about things. Um, everybody felt it was very authentic, I think, to, mm. to, to, to how it was. So there was no, there was no, you know, again, that sort of buttoning down of emotion was, was there even with Jonathan by my side as we were making the movie. Right. He only ever walked away from the monitors once uh, to gather himself, I think, literally. And we had... And what was that moment? Do you remember? It was, I think it was um, the scene on the hillside when... When um, when when Once he makes he's the saying he's saying I'm going to check out yeah. you know I think it was uh, I think it was that was that was the moment um, yeah yeah I mean he was amazing but, but you know and Diana came down to visit but she found it very boring after about two minutes <laughs> <laughs> well if she stuck around she could have fixed the hat situation <laughs> um, so the um, in terms of um, you know how it, I mean you're so this is you. You did all, you, you did so much work, you know, directing for for Peter Jackson, and and actually this film, you shot after you shot your next movie, which was Jungle Book, and now you're finishing that movie now and then this. But I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the transition, which you'd been making for years, from the position of being the incredible actor that you are to now the wonderful director that you are, and and how 
how how that works. I mean, how you when when you're approaching what you do, um, from what perspective are you coming? I mean, on this film, Jungle Book, and and you know, you how many days did you shoot on on The Hobbit? I mean, it was like over a hundred, wasn't it? Was it was two hundred days. Two hundred days. That's, I mean, that that's was my, more time than than our entire schedule for the Planet <laughs> of the Apes movie. So I mean, it's amazing. So I mean, look, I, the thing is, I never. You know, what, what I didn't do was I didn't get to do the kind of the auteur small movie experience, you know, because I was about to do that. I was about to make a small but film. But this is that. And, well, but, but, but not first. Right. Because my, my first experience was, I mean, most directors, you know, you do. You, you have the film that you really want to tell and that, you know, you, you craft and you, you've been burning to tell that story. And you make it with a few friends and you've got 20 days to shoot it. And, you know, right. you do that, right? So my first experience of actually directing was with a crew of 150 people and for 200 days shooting 12 dwarves, you know, a wizard, uh, you know, orcs galore. And, you and know, how, how did that come about? How did Peter, shots. like, what, he was like, what, well, I, I need to do this for me. He like, basically what? asked me because he said, look, you're coming back to reprise the role of Gollum and I really... I really want an actor to take control of the second unit because I want we're going to be exchanging. They're going to be coming to you all the time, and I want someone to look after performance. You know, which was an amazing thing. And and then I had a great crew and fantastic DOP and you know and everybody. And it was like the most incredible film education that you can imagine. It was it was I mean I, just the sheer you know we were shooting at 48 frames a second, native 3D. You know, 150 crew, massive. You know, big, big, big setups every single day. It was, it was a trial by fire, believe me. Uh, but it was, but it was an amazing education, and I can't thank him enough for it. Um, and and, you know, uh, so that that was part of it. But also, sort of before that, I started to make short films, and um, I'd come back from making King Kong with Peter Jackson, and found myself being asked to direct performance capture for video games and so so I the way I went about it was you know well this is a drama and so I cast cast great actors and we rehearsed it and we did you have was your rehearsal period did you have a cuz cuz I know the film came together actually quite quickly right because you were you had been wanting to do this right. and then you made jungle book and then all yeah. of a sudden jungle book was sort of in, in post and in you know in various stages or whatever and you just had this opportunity to suddenly in the middle of that project that you're right. still finishing make this that's right i mean that was that was literally how it happened so we'd shot everything on jungle book we shot principal photography as you say we'd gone into this lengthy period of post as you know with performance capture which is a, a very you know painstaking and and there there was this sort of hiatus period for two reasons. One, that we were perfecting our facial pipeline um, um, to translate actors from, from like Christian Bale to make Christian Bale into a panther, um, you know, and Kate Blanchett into a snake and Benedict Cumberbatch into a tiger. Well, actually, that didn't take very long. And uh, <laughs> But... Um, uh, but in, in in amongst all of that, of course, there was the the other movie. There was the Disney version, and we we thought it sensible to to create a bit more space between the two movies. Um, and then this window of opportunity came up with Andrew and Claire, and so we we actually, I don't know how we did it actually, but we raised the money in seven weeks. Wow. Can we we went there? We had Andrew and Claire on board. We went to Can. We raised the money, and then we shot. We, so we were raising the money at, as we were in pre production. Wow. So we had seven weeks to raise the money get into pre-production and then and then we had seven weeks to shoot it yeah. so it was a bit it was a, it was an it, and then, so then you didn't have a long rehearsal period prior to no, shooting then no right? we had we had uh, andrew came on board and start we started to talk about things for a long period um uh, uh but then andrew and claire together we had a week's rehearsal before we shot 
And how did that work? Like, what would you do? Do you just tape things out and just sort of like, let's talk through scenes? We, or what, yeah, is we, a, what does a rehearsal look like for Well, it was, we, we went, we, you know, we, they had to get to know each other very quickly, but they both sort of fell in love with each other uh, and trusted each other from the word go, which was amazing to watch. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, it's all, it is all about chemistry and they, they just adored each other and, and really, and made a pact that they would, really trust each other and they did um so we 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 went through every single scene chronologically in the yeah. in the film and we rehearsed it and part of it was getting rehearsed it on like, like speaking like this, we went the to scenes we went to all the locations did, and okay. actually worked in the you know where we could right. worked uh, like in the oxford hospital at the house you know where, and was your was 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 bob richardson with you or was it just what, no you, no okay. no i went and worked with them just just me and them and then and then bob came would actually he would join later on and right. come and then we'd do sort of block throughs with with stand-ins right having, and would you, would you take stills or would you just or yeah we yeah. T took lots of stills and this only and this was a short period of time very sh very short period right, of time right and then by the time you were ready to shoot you then revisited and then just went in and, and shot the yeah and we process. shot we shot quite a lot of it in chronological order um we, we tried to, to keep that just to give them a chance because obviously the ticking clock in all of this is baby Jonathan growing up and 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 all of that and we we just thought to give them a chance of you know Andrew had to learn how to use a respirator and yeah. and we wanted the respirator to be lots of different characters really so that the first respirator was was this machine that's driving him and 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 sounds very aggressive it almost sounds like Darth Vader it, we wanted it to be a character you know it was like a really aggressive sound and and then he had to learn to speak in rhythm and in real life Robin had this extraordinary um, thing that he used to do because he couldn't, he didn't like people finishing his sentences for him because a respirator would only pump enough air into your lungs to, to get through half a sentence and then it would have to refill. So he used to always, when it came to the end of his sentence, he'd slightly change a word so that you couldn't quite guess what he was going to say next, which allowed him to then get enough air into his lungs to pick up where he needed to pick up and carry on. Wow. So, so, so Andrew was learning all of that, and also it was like a third character in the room. So Claire had to learn how to respond to him over the sound of a respirator, wow. whilst he was learning to speak. Whilst you know, so it was a it was a complex kind of. Was there any kind of research or reference in terms of this kind of speaking you know, for you know for Andrew to be? Yeah, I mean there were were there's lots of video footage of of, of Robin speaking. Oh really? Yeah, and uh, and so so Andrew kind of really imbibed all of that and. Mm. and uh, and, and he worked so hard. I mean, he yeah. really did work. They were both work, so wonderful. Yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing. And 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 just to take someone as physical as I mean, Andrew is a f incredibly physical actor, you know. And you know, to have Spider Man and Queen Elizabeth II <laughs> kind of, you know, act opposite each other was was quite extraordinary. You know? Now we took Sp we took all of that physical energy that he had and robbed him of it, and then had it all migrate into into Robin's face, which is actually what, what Robin's face was like. It was this... He had this amazingly expressive smile that he would do. Was that from... Yeah. Was any of that in the video? Like, it, he would do... His face would light up yeah, in this no. very particular way. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's that's again what 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 Andrew really really studied. Mm. And and of course because his field of view is so limited because he it depends where his chair would have been put in a room. He had this extraordinary thing where his eyes would you know looking would would almost try and look around the corner of of of, um, of, of where he was placed. And Diana went, went the real Diana used to put um 
once once Robin was out of hospital, she wanted to help him regain his sense of 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 and, and dignity, but of manhood. So she would actually allow him to. She would all, you know, if there was a social situation, she would always place him in a in a power position mm. in a room, mm. so that he could he could make people feel at home. And the one thing he wanted to do is to, in order to smash these preconceptions of being disabled, because as I say, you know, no one lived outside of the hospital system at that time. Um, to, 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 he wanted to put people at ease. He always wanted to make people feel, you know, and Andrew really got that, I think. He, mm. really, he really did that. Mm. And what about, just briefly, your, your, your collaboration with Barbara Chisholm? I just think the, the film is so beautiful. Like, what, what is, how, how did you guys work together? I mean, just a, what was your relationship? I know, obviously, it was a great relationship, but what, how, what was that process like? It, it, it was... Um, like, you'd rehearse a scene and, and then... Yeah, and, and then he, he would, he would watch. We would, I mean, I had, there were certain scenes that I... Do you know the amazing thing about him was that, that he was he's worked with so many great great directors and yet he was he's in a most collaborative DOP a really phenomenally collaborative and and the other thing I really truly loved and admired about him is that he's he's an operator as well so he would he would and he would ride a crane and he would and so he's intimately involved with the, with the feel of what the performance you know he truly was in there with the performances. And so his he his subtle movement with the camera and dancing around what was going on was 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 extraordinary. Um, so I had a very you know I had a kind of an overall very clear vision and I'd storyboarded a lot of shots. But then oh so you so tell me about that. So you would you would storyboard who did you you worked with an artist? I, I did a lot of them, but myself. Oh actually. you and that's the other thing that we should mention too is that before you were an actor you were an artist. You never thought you were going to be that's right. an actor, right? And so right. and, and so right. that so you would you you would sketch these out or you had you had a you had a book of, of these drawings. Yeah. And yeah, did you yeah. and did you start that process when you were doing what you were doing on The Hobbit, or like when when did you? Did yeah, you, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I've even back as far as like making short films, really? and, and things. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've I've always. So you would show Bob, okay? So I, I was kind of thinking about something like this, yeah, and yeah. then and he totally he would totally get it, and then he would add to it, and he would you know he would make it ten times better, and you know it was just I mean he 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 really loved for all his wealth of experience, he was he always deferred to ultimately to the director's sure. decision and that, I found that really humbling actually that, that he would do that um, and yet he did it was it was it was uh, it was it was a, I think we only really came to blows once and uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you and what was it about well, no, it was um, it was really late you and on I have never street. come to blows no I know, <laughs> I know it was it was it wasn't even coming to blows it was just I think I think it was just exhaustion and tiredness yeah. and uh, you know a, a, just a difference of opinion it was in some of the Africa stuff. oh I know what it was it was um, it was the shot where, um, where 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 Diana when he says no I know what it was exactly what it was it was the shot where she says I'm going to have a baby and then he puts his foot on the on, on the brakes you know but the the shot we were really pressed for time and, yeah. and he wanted to mount the camera on the jeep in a particular way and I said look we let's 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 follow the car and he wanted to mount it on the you know sure. just like that was the big filmmaking <laughs> filmmaking <right? laughs> like exactly. you know the, the yeah. realities of time yeah, and all yeah, of that yeah, exactly. yeah well andy thank you so much Matt, thank you so film. much this is a pleasure talking to you and thank you andy circus matt reeves <laughs> Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. Don't forget, you can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the great discussions we have coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.
This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.